John the Baptist and his mother and father. Who was John the Baptist's dad? Yeah, pick it up. Zachariah. Now, what was Zachariah's uh, position? He was a priest. He was a priest. What was Zachariah doing when the angel of the Lord came to him and spoke to him? He was in the temple uh, burning, incense. burning incense. Okay. Now, what was the miracle of the birth of John the Baptist? They were elderly. Yeah. Beyond childbearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wasn't able to have a baby. What angel came to Zechariah? Gabriel. What is Gabriel is known as being the messenger, right? Okay, Michael is known for what? Archangel. The Archangel of Battle. Basically, yeah, battle. He's, he's a, yeah. So, uh, Gabriel was the messenger that came to Zechariah. Okay, <laughs> we're going to do a little question and answer session. When uh, Zechariah was talking with the angel, and the angel was telling him what would happen with the Elizabeth and him. Why did Zachariah not be able to speak when he came out of the temple? Because he didn't believe it. He doubted. He doubted. He was unable to talk. When could he talk? When they went to name the baby. Then what? When they went to name the baby. This is John. When he, not when he went to name the baby. When he wrote what were they doing? How old was the baby? Uh, eight days. Eight days old. You're in circumcision. Yeah. The reason they was known as this is because they've been reading the book of Luke, started chapter one, and they'll read it until uh, what? 20, Twenty-four. Twenty-four. One chapter of Luke every day <coughs> brings you up to uh, the, Christmas. The, yeah, Christmas, the twenty-four. And it gives the story of Christ at the very beginning of Luke. It goes through. And uh, when they started that, we uh, we got to talking about it. So I've been doing it too, you know, and, and looking through it. And uh, so as we see now, the baby was eight days old. What was happening with the baby today? Circumcised the baby. And when he, they, what did the friends and family say? That they are the name of the baby. 
Zechariah. Right. I said, nope, okay. And his mother said, must name him John. And they said, no, there's no baby named John in the family. So when, what did Zechariah have to do in order to free his tongue? Writing down the name. John. There you go. He called for a tablet or whatever to write down John. And when he wrote the name of John down, he was able to talk. Now, what if John was in, uh, I mean, Zechariah was in the temple, the people outside were praying and stuff, and they had a concern about Zechariah. What was their concern? There you go. He stayed in longer than normal as, as the time been. They When he came out, they said he, they perceived that he saw a, what? A vision. Yeah. So we, they, there was things happening around the birth of John the Baptist. We just went through it with the kids back here because I didn't realize, uh, you know, me being with the kids now and teaching them, I didn't realize our children did not know anything about John the Baptist, did not know anything about Zachariah, knew nothing about John the Baptist's mother, knew nothing about John the Baptist being uh, a forerunner of Christ as far as uh, you know, spreading the news of uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, what, was it? what was John the Baptist's uh, message? Repent. 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 Be, be baptized. Repent. That's John the Baptist's uh, I did not realize that uh, our children <coughs> didn't know this, this kind of stuff. And uh, so, what I'm going to ask of you all to do is take time to read your children the Word of God. David, uh, what time do you, do you read yours? Usually somewhere around 5.30 or 6. Okay. After we eat. Yeah. He, uh, and he reads the, with the children. But they, they said he reads to the children. So, no, the microphone. Now, the microphone does. Yeah, Monica's got it on the phone and she it, it Oh, reads, the phone she reads, reads it. The yeah. phone reads it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Once she oh, in the Bible. Well, I've, been, I've played the, the children's mm -hmm. Bible back there. Uh, the story of, of uh, yeah. it's a story in the children's Bible of uh, the story of John <laughs> Baptist. Like I said, I didn't realize that they did. They knew about Christ, but they didn't know about John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist was a miracle child, and so we need to understand that. And uh, Bruce, I'm gonna give you a sign. All right, look up uh, uh, Second Timothy three sixteen. I think is what I want. That's one of them. Uh, put a finger in there. You got any markers you can put in your yeah, Bible? I got, I got markers. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. <clears throat> I'm sorry, what was that? 1 First First Corinthians, Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. 17 and 18. And now we're going to do a, a little Bible study. I'm not probably going to preach too much today. Uh, I've got a message, but I... When we sing songs and stuff, things change. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, my message was about the birth of Christ. It's what it was about and the miracle of it. And 
in the story it said, and Mary was about 15 years old when she had Jesus, uh, or became pregnant with Jesus. Approximately age of 15. Now, we need to understand that a, a young girl at age 15 could take care of a household, could take care of children, do all the projects that a grown woman had to do to take care of a family. Uh, over a period of years, we have restricted and restricted and restricted due to educations and stuff. How many, how many years was the normal uh, education school years in the 1800s? Third grade, maybe. Do what? Maybe a third grade. Not a little farther than that. Eighth grade. Eighth grade was a, a, basically like a, a graduation senior high. We added more years. So in doing that, that made the children farther along in development as far as responsibilities because they're held in the house. Now we've gone beyond that. How many kids stay with the family or stay at home for another four years? <coughs> What's the average age of graduation? 17? So four to that's 23 years old. They're still at home. Still not able to take care of their family, still not able to take care of themselves, still not able to do anything, uh, mostly because they're restricted by parents and education. How many's ever read a letter, of a Civil War letter, written to families back home during the war? Anyone ever read one? If you ever get a chance, read one of them and, and see the words that they use at, with an eighth grade education, the words they use compared to the words that the college kids cannot use today. And you would think the vice versa. You would think the vice versa, but it's not so. So Mary was approximately 15 years old, already engaged to be married at 15. Now how many of us would panic out if our girls were going to get married at 15? Oh, no, I can't take her out. All right, and I'll just be honest with you. I've encouraged Judy to teach the girls, as they're growing up now, they're 12 years old, to teach them responsibilities of a family. Now, how many, and no show of hands, how many are going to do it yourself because it's quicker to get it done than teach a child? Don't show up Just get it done. Let's just get it done. And rather than fooling the child, helping the child learn how to do certain things in the family. Many of our young girls and young men don't know what to do or how to do things because we don't want to take the time to invest that time in it. We're too busy. And you know I can get on a soapbox about that. Yeah. <laughs> but our children... All, all you have to do is some sometime I'll get I used to go to the prison every Monday night. And I talked with young men in this prison. And many of them were 18 years old and knew nothing about responsibilities or anything. My, my sons, which they were kind of interested in the mechanics and all that <coughs> growing up, we messed around and stuff. 
in anytime we got a vehicle, I would help them maybe with one or two down payments, but the rest of the time they had to do their own. Uh, Brad, we helped him one year of college, and then after that he was on loan. So he worked in order to have college, and uh, he went to Central up here. He had two years of Kemper and four years of Central. They were, they were, I, I could get on a soapbox about that too, why he had been another two years. How they basically beat him out of two years credit that he had. But in teaching our children, how many, how many are teaching our children about finances? Did Jesus Christ speak anything about finances in the Bible? Yes. Yeah, a lot. A lot. So in teaching our finances, the responsibilities of life. There is a, if we go through the Proverbs and look at the Proverbs, what, how, what teach our children, and go through the, uh, the New Testament on responsibilities, we need to do that. We need to take the time uh, to do that. We, uh, I don't like the new bank system. How many knows? How many remembers the old savings book that you'd have, and you take it in, and they write in your book, and you have your book, and you see everything you got? No, what do you get now? You get a piece of paper if you put anything in the savings or check any one. You get a piece of paper receipt that if you don't take a picture of it, it's going to fade out, and you can't read it after a while. So, but the old book was a, a kind of an incentive for. Our, us and the boys that they have a little savings or something they could go in you know at that time you could take 50 cents and put it in your savings account yeah. <laughs> don't do that no don't do that anymore but responsibilities is what I'm, I'm talking about but by Mary the mother of Jesus Christ was able to take care of a family be married take care of a household all at 15 because she was taught I don't know how old she was when she was being taught, but education and our government requiring education and has taken control of our children. We can not even correct a child anymore. <clears throat> and if you do, you better do it and hope nobody calls law on you. How young does the Lord say to start correcting our children? Y'all hear a child that's kind of. Do y'all hear a child? Is that child old enough to learn? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can remember when the girls were little. <coughs> Judy, when she worked, I took care of the girls, and when I worked, she's taking care of the girls. I can remember when I went to change them, and sometimes they didn't want to lay still. <coughs> a little swat on the butt would change that. They knew, and I mean, they were real, but they knew whenever I swatted their butt, they better lay still. It took just a little bit of time to get them used to that. After a few of that, uh, I didn't have to worry about it. When it's time to change, they were still. They knew better. But see, the Lord says early in their life, train up a child. Now, when they use the scripture, train up a child, 
in the way he should go, or they should go, and when they grow old, they'll not depart from it. And that's not only in Christianity. That's life. They learn life as we teach them and train them. Uh, you'd be surprised what these kids learn back here with Judy. What they retain. And, uh, and we, we want our church to be uh, child-friendly, kid-friendly. And the reason is because we need to teach them. But who has your children other than the school most, more time? Parents. 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 Our grandparents. Yeah. A lot of grandparents and parents, you know, it's kind of back and forth. So our responsibility as adults is to teach our children as they grow up. Uh, now, if I didn't, we didn't put restrictions on these, these girls. They, they're on the phone. Now, they're playing games and stuff. They're not like, but they got different games to play on the phone and stuff. And we restrict that. But if, if you don't restrict them, that's all they do. That's all they want to do is stay on the phone. So we restrict and uh, they, they go outside and play all that. Okay, well, enough of, about kids. All right. How old, all right, how far was Elizabeth's pregnancy when uh, Mary was conceived, when Jesus was conceived? Six months. Six months. What did Mary do when she was told her uh, cousin, Elizabeth, was praying. What'd she do? What's there? What's there? Yeah, don't be afraid to say. If it, hey, if it's wrong, it ain't no big deal. Our sin went to see her. How long did she stay with her? Before she went back home, Mary went back home, how long did she stay with Elizabeth? Three months. How long? Now, this is what I, my question is, she stayed three months with Elizabeth. My question is, did she stay until John was born, or did she leave just before John was born? Because she went there when she was six months pregnant, Elizabeth. She stayed for three months. So I'd make her nine months, wouldn't it? So either birth, or, I don't know. I wish the Bible had told me that, because I'd like to know if she stayed with Elizabeth until she had John the Baptist. Or to stay and help her, or if she went on back before that. I would think so. It doesn't say, but that was a custom of that day. That women would stay with women who were pregnant. Uh, uh, what what do they call a woman that does that? Midwife. Okay. Uh, wasn't it Herod that told the midwives to kill the little boys when they're born? Yeah. And, and what they say, them, ah, them Jewish women too strong. <laughs> they have a baby without us. They don't even need us. You know, so. But anyway, all right. So six months uh, pregnant, three months Mary stayed there with her, and then uh, okay. Now the Bible says she stayed for three months, and then when it was time for Elizabeth to have a baby, she gave birth to a son. Yeah. But it doesn't say if Mary was there or not. She, see, I'm just, I, I haven't found it in, in mine. It, it may be, but anyway, as we see that, 
what happened with Joseph? All right. She was three months pregnant before she told Joseph that she's pregnant. What did Joseph say? We're just going to have a little questions. That's all right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, how, how, was, uh, how, how far along the pregnancy was Mary? The secret that tells us pretty quick. She was with Elizabeth how long? Mm -hmm. So she went back to confront Joseph. She was how long in pregnancy? Three months. Three months at least. Okay. So as she's in three months pregnancy with, with Joseph, I mean, uh, as she went told Joseph, what was his response? Do what? Did he think she had been with somebody else because he knew he Yeah, he, he knew it wasn't his job. Now, what was his feelings towards Mary? He was tenderhearted. He, he loved her, cared for her, and he wanted to put her away secretly. In other words, in a sense, divorce her secretly. They weren't married as we could think of marriage. They were uh, engaged, same as Mary. In the eyes, except they hadn't been together. Okay. Uh, so he wanted to put her away secretly. Then what happened with Joseph? Why did he not? He got a visitor. He had, he had a dream, wasn't it? A vision? Mm -hmm. I think it was a dream. Anyway, so the Lord visits people in different ways, in different stages, in different times to fulfill his uh, prophecy or fulfill his will. I, I done a sermon one time, went through some charts, and I made some charts up. The time, how many times did God directly intervene in human humanity? Directly intervene in somebody's life, directly. Not through a vision, not through uh, his word, but directly intervene in some way or another. That's a good study. You, you'd be surprised how many times God intervened into the human race Personally, in a sense, personally, other than <coughs> visions and the work. Okay. So, as we see that happening, Mary uh, conceived this child. Uh, Zach, look up Isaiah chapter 53. And, uh, man, I can't remember what verse it is. Where to start at? Uh, where it talks about Jesus Christ, the prophecy of Christ. I can't remember, I can't remember what verse it is. What other place in Isaiah does it talk about Christ other than Isaiah 53? I think it's chapter 9 of Isaiah. I'm not what are you looking for in 53? In 53, uh, it's a prophecy of, of Jesus Christ, about Christ. Uh, it looks like it starts in 53.1. Mm, it might do that. I didn't think it started right there. Read the, read the verse and I'll tell you. Okay, so it says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And it starts on for two, for he shall grow up. There you go. You're, you're right. Yeah, it is. It starts with one. Okay. So read that. That's a prophecy. Uh, I can't remember how many years Isaiah prophesied it before the birth of Christ. I think it was 400. I think it's somewhere around that neighborhood, 400 years, somewhere, somewhere in that area. So, God's prophecy, uh, as we see that, 
he prophesied Jesus Christ, his birth, a long time before it happened. Okay, go ahead and read Zach and one. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness that we should see him, and, or, and when we should see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Okay, what's that saying? That's pretty normal. He's just a normal person. Yeah. He wasn't nothing exceptional as uh, like Saul was. Saul was head and above everybody else. But he's, he was a common looking person. And God did that for a reason. Alright, go ahead. He was despised and rejected by man, men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Okay, what's that, what's that referring to? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. When did that happen for Christ to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? When he was crucified. Being crucified, when he was being punished. Okay, go ahead, Zach. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Okay, and that's pretty plain there. Was he despised by the Romans? Not so much as he was by the Pharisees. He was, you know, the Romans, they kind of, there's not a lot, a lot about him. Why was the Roman soldiers involved in crucifixion? Who is to? Because, well, I was going to say, because they were the reigning authority. They were the reigning authority, yeah. But who uh, instigated? Pharisees. Absolutely. So he, he stirred up the, he, what we call rock the boat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he changed the system. And I tell you today, a pastor who preaches the word of God in truth will rock the boat. Yes. Because so many Christians today do not want to know the truth. Amen. And God's word is truth. God's word comes against sin. Alcoholism is not a disease. It's a habitual sin. Right? Yeah, drugs? drugs? What's, what about drugs? Sin. What about uh, uh, what we call uh, cohabitation? What's cohabitation most time used for? Living. Cohabiting. Without marriage. Without marriage. Yeah, well, uh, see, the government's got involved in that. Yeah. There's a lot of people getting married if the Say elderly people would get married if they wouldn't lose money because of the government. If you get married, you get less money. You, you know, whatever. So the government's involved there. Now, who who is behind our government in these laws and rules and regulations? Satan. There you go. So every time we see something that's against God and what God's word says, Satan's behind it. Always need to think. Of. All right, go ahead, Zach. Oh no. Verse 4. <laughs> Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay, now, we have, uh, all of our sins have been laid on Christ. 
as we read that, back up about two verses and read that again. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten, of God, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's what it was. Is, this, is God's word true? Yes. We can seek healing because by his stripes we're healed. Now, spiritually, yes. Physically, yes. And all the other things we need in our life, God has taken care of if we follow his word. Jesus said in, in, in the temple, he's about 12 years old, I must be about my father's business. We, uh, you know, Bible study, I, I started going to over here at the Bible Baptist, uh, not Bible, uh, San Fe Baptist Church on Tuesday mornings. I really like it. It's uh, <laughs> brother Ed. He said he said he felt kind of outnumbered. He said there's five pastors in there, preachers in there, and there's, there's about what nine, ten of us, something like that, maybe twelve. But anyway, I just love it because here we have discussion. We sit down just like we're doing here right now, and we talk about what God's word says. We they they got a, a study they're going through, and uh, but. By his stripes. We are, are healed. And another place says by his stripes we were healed. So we need to understand that. Uh, go to chapter 9, Isaiah. We're going to look at some, look, just a little bit of the prophet. There's, the Bible's full of it in the Old Testament about Christ. What was the, what was the first forerunner? Of shedding of blood before Christ. Animal sacrifice. Okay, when, when was the first one? When Cain killed Abel. There you go. God Himself sacrificed the first animal to cover the nakedness of who? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. From then on, there had to be a shedding of blood. For sin to be forgiven. King James says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. What's remission mean? It means it's, it's there, but it's covered. There you go. When we talk about uh, cancer going into uh, remission. remission, it's still there, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Now, so Dave is going to be going tomorrow. For a talk with them. Yeah, okay. And then you go in Tuesday for your first treatment. What time? Uh, be 8 o'clock Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. How many here can remember 8 o'clock Tuesday morning? If you, How many has a cell phone, a smart cell phone? Mm -hmm. yeah. How many can set that thing to tell you something? Yeah. 8 o'clock. Tuesday morning, set your phone to remind you to pray for Dave. By his stripes, Dave's healed. Amen. So we, 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We start and need to start seeking God for healings for all of us in here. Every one of us in here has some kind of a need for healing. Amen. I cannot tell you, I don't understand why God heals some and doesn't heal others. I do know that uh, my cousin Glenn had tumors in the brain. He was healed, done everything that the doctor said he'd never do. The same time, his brother's wife went, had MS, went and was prayed for, was not healed. Don't know why. But see, we're not to question God. That's God's business, not our business. Our business is to believe and pray. Amen. Okay, you got Isaiah 9? Uh, you might start around 6, I think. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Stop right there. How many has ever questioned that? Everlasting Father. I've, I've been questioned about it because Jesus wasn't Father God. What do we call the founders of the United States? Founding Fathers. What was Jesus the founder of? Christian. Everlasting Father of our salvation. The founder. Was there salvation without Jesus Christ on the cross shedding his blood? No. no. So I look at him as being the father of that. Everything that he did on this earth, he was a father of it. Everlasting <coughs> father. Is Jesus Christ everlasting? Yeah. Is he eternal? Yes. Everlasting father. That's the way I look at it. And when somebody comes to me, I say, well, they're three in one. Each has a different essence in a sense. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father overall. But Jesus said all power and authority has been given to him by the Father. You know, we, we can't comprehend it because we have that jealousy that's always coming in. People don't can't comprehend three and one and all being equal. Uh, in Philippians chapter something 12 in there some, uh, and Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And then what it says? Sure. So we can't do that as humans. Somebody gets a promotion over us and we think we ought to get that promotion. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All three in one. Yeah, absolutely. It's all there. We just have to understand that they're they're equal. No jealousy. No envy. No strife. And they all have a different ministry. And I, I call it ministry. God takes care of certain things. Jesus Christ takes care of certain things. Holy Spirit takes care of certain things. Okay, Zach, go ahead. An everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government 
and peace. There will be no end. Okay, what's that mean there? Increase of his government, no end. There you go. His kingdom, God's kingdom, and the Holy Spirit's kingdom without end. Ne never will end. Now, if you read in, in the Bible, Elizabeth, we know that in the Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit would come on a person. Right? But here today, we have the Holy Spirit coming into us. We're in Christ. He's in us. The Holy Spirit's in us. We're baptized in him. We're baptized into his death. We're baptized into his resurrection. We're baptized into eternity with him. Amen. We need to understand this stuff. And, and as we see that, but in, in, in Elizabeth's case, it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she began to prophesy. Now the Holy Spirit I don't want to say this though. God sent uh, Jesus. He said, "If I don't know the Holy Spirit, I can't send the Holy Spirit." Jesus sent the Holy Spirit for us to comfort us, to teach us, to lead us, to guide our steps as a Christian. Who convicts us whenever we do something we shouldn't? The Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. Zach, how far did you get there? Uh, one part of the verse. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> There will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice. And from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Okay, that's good. Now, what did God say in his word about King David? He is a man, what? After his own heart. Now, has any one of us in this room committed as much sin as David? I hope not. <laughs> Have you had anybody killed? No. Made it where they be murdered? Killed? No. no. But doesn't the Bible also say a sin's a sin? Sin's a sin. But what I'm saying is that sin God forgave. Why did God forgive? He's Read forgiving. some of the Psalms. It tells you. His mercy, yeah. Uh, he repented of his sin. If you want God's mercy, repent of your sin. You know, the, the only sin that's not uh, forgiven when there's one blasphemy in the Holy Spirit. But what other sins aren't forgiven? If you don't reject him. Yeah. If you don't ask for forgiveness and reject him. So we need, need to understand it. Okay. Uh, we might get out early. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You know, the interesting part is, is that we've been talking about, you know, the power you know, Jesus, who he was, what he did, and things like that. The thing I always find interesting is that, you know, we were talking about at the beginning, Jesus was very much a, I don't want to say a normal guy. Yeah. You know, didn't have anything crazy to how he looked. Definitely didn't, definitely wasn't born in anything considered royal or high, yeah. high end. And even his name, his, his actual name, wasn't anything that special. The name Jesus, um, when you look at Hebrew, it can even be translated Joshua. Yeah. Very common name yeah. in Israel, you know. Many had that. There probably were a ton of guys with his name walking through right. Israel. But that was something me and my grandpa were talking about this. We saw them over 
Thanksgiving was it was the fact of it's funny because people take Jesus Christ and they treat it like a person's last name, like yeah. last name. Christ is not his last name. Yeah. And that's it, annoying. We were talking about that is that it's it's a, it's a title. Yeah. You know, if you look at you know it's Jesus the Christ, and that's, that's the part that carry any authority or weight. And when you hear you know people when you read the Bible, you'll hear people sometimes refer to it as we have found the Christ. They weren't excited because they found a guy named Jesus. They yeah. Just, you know, six guys in that room might have been named. Yeah. That you know, it was it was what that name carried. Yeah. The anointing. It was the authority yeah. and the and the anointing. Yeah. The authority. Uh, Christ means anointed one. Yeah. Uh, the authority given by God to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, it, and even in the Bible, it's talks about how people marveled that He spoke with authority, unlike the Pharisees. Yeah. At the age twelve. Yeah. And then, and the Pharisees did. Uh, not all of them, so where did he get this? You have to imagine that took him for a second. Yeah. I mean, 12 year old in there telling them. I know, this, you know, the leaders of the community, not just, <laughs> yeah. not just guys at church. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it was a high, high up Pharisee, didn't it? So, but okay, now, when Jesus says he must be about his father's business, are we sons and daughters of God? Yes. So, what must we do? Be about our father's business. We are commanded to do that. Okay, Brucey, you're on, buddy. Who's one more first? Second uh, Timothy? Yeah, Second Timothy would be the first one. Okay. Second Timothy three sixteen. <coughs> All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay. What is profitable for what reason? What was the first one? Doctrine. Doctrine. Okay, what's doctrine? It's uh, what and why you believe. Yeah, doctrine is what we believe. Uh -huh. uh, I, I, if I went to seminary and stuff, I'd have a doctrine in divinity. A doctor has a doctrine in medicine, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a pastor uh, who is carries the, the uh, doctrine for their name is a doctrine of divinity. Uh, there's many different types of doctrines out there. Mm -hmm. So, but the Word of God is a doctrine. It's a teaching. Isn't that what God's <coughs> do? Teaching. Okay. So, all right, it's so profitable for teaching. What's the next word, Bruce? Reproof. Reproof. What's that? Letting us know what's wrong. There you go. Yeah. Right. Some proving, it, I can prove this. Well, that's right. But if I need to reprove it, see what's wrong with correct. it. Correct. Correct. There you go. Work. Good work. Correcting. So we correct things by reproofing things. We correct false doctrines because we know the true word of God, which is the doctrine of God's word. Then we can reprove or see what is false doctrine, not correct doctrine, by God's word. All scripture. Okay, go ahead, Bruce. Uh, for correction. Correction. Now, does God's word correct any of us? No. Besides me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if we read it, if you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, you're going to get corrected. There's no way around it. Just go through the, what is 31 chapters in Proverbs. Yeah, try that sometime. Read through that. And we you, did that one year. Yes, we did. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's a stole. A pole stopper and a knee, a shin kicker, you know, as you go through it. Okay, Bruce, go ahead. And for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. 
How do I lead, live a, a righteous life? I read God's Word. The Holy Spirit teaches me. I, when I accepted Christ as my personal Savior, I desire to re live a righteous life. Old things, everything that I did before, I really didn't desire it at all. I just lost my desire for it. So losing that desire for that, all things become new. I desire God and his word and the fellowship of Christians. When people say they are Christians and they don't have anything to do with Christians, I gotta question that a little bit. Amen. So okay, Bruce go to uh what was the other one I gave you first Corinthians? One seventeen and eighteen. Yeah. And we'll go close here and have prayer. Okay. First Corinthians one seventeen. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Okay. Not now, who's, who's speaking? John the Baptist. Who? John the Baptist. Paul. 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 Corinthians. Yeah. Sent me not to, to baptize. In other words, Paul, he said, he, he did very little baptism of people because God didn't send him to do that. Jesus Christ sent him. But he, he said, not to baptize. And as we look at what he says, now I have been called. To baptize. I wasn't sent not to baptize. I was sent to baptize people. They want to be baptized. That's just part of the, in a sense, the ordinance of the church. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, least the cross of Christ should be made of non effect. Okay. How many listens to pastors today use wisdom of words and not preaching the cross? Yeah. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross is non effect. You can, you can actually, uh, I won't use the secular term we used to say, I used to say, uh, if you can, cannot astound, astound them or whatever with knowledge, you baffle them with BS. And that's what a lot of pastors are doing. They try to use enticing words baffling you, but it's a lot of BS. And that will get you nowhere at all. Alright, Bruce, go ahead. 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Okay. Is it foolishness to those who are going to hell? That's what it's talking about. Sure it's foolishness. Was it foolishness to me before I accepted Christ myself? Absolutely. And I was on my way to hell. But the preaching of the cross now is so important to me, uh, I mean, that's everything that I have is based on that. All right, go ahead. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Go ahead. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish, foolish the wise of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
For ye see your calling, brethren, how not, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the bases things the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring not things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Do we glory in the Lord? We're here today because of the mercy and grace of God. Excuse me. Oh, I'm stuck cutting there now. What? But anyway, we're gonna. I'm gonna have Sister Mary go back up to the piano, and we wanna. I'm gonna have her play. And if you need prayer, come down. If you want to stand in for somebody, come down. And the reason I'm saying that is after we prayed, uh, how many have been here when we all just hold hands and pray? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I tell you what, let's just do that right now. Everybody just come and wants to stand.